Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of leading conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito, and we have a very special guest today, Marcia Jaffe, who's the founder and president of the Bali Institute for Global Renewal, a world-learning center that inspires, engages, and empowers individual and collective leadership. Marcia, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Cheryl. I'm delighted to be with you. It's so nice. Where are you today? I'm in sunny Sausalito. Ah, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a lot of sun in the Bay Area the last few weeks. Isn't it nice? It's been so great. The weather's been wonderful. It has It's been a little great. bit hard to realize I'm, I've got to go now and leave and go to Bali. But Oh, darn. If you have to go somewhere, I can't think of a better place to go. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. So you're going to be going there for a very special event, and we're going to get into a lot of the detail on that. Um, Marcia, I'm... Wanting to take you back to um, a time when you were doing lots of work. You were working in the corporate world. You were an entrepreneur, had your own business. Could you tell us a little bit about what your background is? Sure. Well, I had, um, you know, come from uh, actually a degree in psychology, which back in the late 60s, early 70s, didn't amount to much, and eventually moved that into marketing and communications. And from there, um, started to get interested in... um, uh, you know, working with various organizations around how do you communicate your message effectively. And I had been trained by having many, many jobs in the corporate world and learning how to do trade shows and developing ads and all that kind of thing. Eventually um, got into um, a company where I saw a lot of conferences going on and people spending a whole lot of money on educating themselves around their profession and as a uh, parent of two small children, I was amazed that there wasn't much going on around educating ourselves as parents. Hmm. And so I created a, a conference on um, parenting, which was back in 1990 called uh, wow. Family 2000, and it was about parenting for the 21st century. And that really set me on a road of organizing and um, creating events that uh, brought people together. Hmm, At that point, very regionally. That sounds like fun, but I bet it was a lot of work. It's a tremendous amount of work, and I eventually decided that um, it might be better to have, um, rather than trying to go from zero to getting things funded and creating the event all within a year, um, I started being asked to to put on events, and which led me into starting my own company doing that. But that also is a tremendous amount of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would think so. Yes, and you you know you can't be afraid of of working hard if it's your own endeavor. Right. But, what kinds um, of or, what kinds of organizations did you do events for? Well, I put on a series of events for University of California, San Francisco on women's health. Mm. So we had women's health conferences. I actually put on five different different art and wine festivals oh, that went on in the San Francisco Bay Area. And um, I worked with several universities to put on educational forums and eventually started doing consulting with the Institute of Noetic Sciences Ah. in Petaluma. 
and put on a big conference, uh, world conference for them in um, Palm Springs in uh, the around uh, September of 2003. Oh, how and great. that was such hard work <laughs> that I decided it was time to take a little trip, oh. which is how I ended up going to Bali. Oh, to so you sort know of how to re- treat yourself well. This is good. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a good segue because you never know what's going to happen in your life if oh. you stay a little bit open. Uh-huh. And I um, I ended up going off to Bali just because I felt called to Bali, as I think a lot of people do who go. They don't really know yeah. why they're going. Yeah. But I did know I did not want to do conferences anymore. I was done mm-hmm. with organizing. And, um, you know, that leads into what's happening now, which is... You know, I'm actually putting on big conferences, <laughs> but it's on a much different scale. And um, the, uh, the conference that, and I'm hoping Cheryl's coming to as well. Oh, yes, I um, am. Yes, um, I went to Bali, and that was the beginning of you know what has opened up into a major world learning center that we're hoping to launch by next year. Well, let's talk a little bit about. Bali itself and the culture there, um, because there's something about that culture that really touched you. So talk about that a little bit. Exactly. So I went there really to be in a little bit of recovery from working too hard. Right. And um, this was in, the, in 2003 when there, they had had a bombing there, and very, very few people were going there. And yet here was this small little island whose whole economy in the last 30 years had been based on tourism and uh, sort of Western values penetrating their culture. Mm. So um, it was pretty um, devastating to see how few people were there and how hungry people were for contact and, um, and certainly for ways to make money. But one of the things that struck me so profoundly was that the Balinese people had asked themselves the question, you know, what have we done to create such bad karma? by having this atrocity happen. They took it upon themselves to look at it as something that they might have had something to do with. And, well, and, and that's so unusual, I mean, for any culture, I think, you know? It's so unusual. And here, you know, what we had done, you know, after 9-11 was to go on such a blame game and right. look at ways that we could, you know, fight back. And here was this entire culture of people who really looked... You know, and there was nobody dictating that they should do this. It's just the way they process information. To look and say, you know, I have to take ownership for who I am that could make this kind of thing happen in my country, and what am I going to do about it? And their answer was to reclaim their culture, to reclaim the rituals and the ceremonies of of who they really are. Do you think they had begun to lose some of that? I think they, they I think they think they had. Oh. They felt that to have something so awful happen was an indication that they had gotten very out of balance with who they are and and the way that they try to live their life, which is much more in harmony with nature and with each other and with a sense of spirituality. It certainly is. And the Balinese have the strongest community culture, connection with others, connection to family, connection to friends, um, of anybody I have ever known. I mean, I've been to Bali a couple of times, and that has just struck me so deeply. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so the other question was, 
can't you help us? You know, can't you bring people? Go invite all your friends and get everybody mm-hmm. to come back. And what began to, you know, formulate in my mind was, A, that here is a place that the world needs to be coming to, but not to just spend money and buy up the land and, and, and uh, mm-hmm. buy the trinkets, but to come to learn that this was truly a learning culture and that the world could be learning a lot from the Balinese. Just mm-hmm. in their self-reflection alone could be such a huge impact for the rest of the world to learn how to reflect on what happens rather than react. And um, and so I, because I'm an organizer, I mean, it just became clear to me that more and more clear that if I were to organize something, I would do it so that people could come and learn from the Balinese. And I didn't quite know how all of this would manifest, but right. it was a, one of those ideas. So I just, you know, you get these ideas you can't get out of your head. <laughs> and um, I met some Balinese when I was there, and because I was one of the very few Westerners. I, I had stayed at a hotel that was owned by the royal family, and um, I ended up meeting one of the princes and told him this idea, and, I mean, he just kept saying, please come back and do this. So that was in um, October of 2003, and this idea took off in so quickly, and in less than a year, we had the first what we were calling Quest for Global Healing, our first conference there. And we had over 400 people from about 20 countries. Wow. And that was 2004, um, right? Pardon me? That was in 2004. That was in 2004, and mm-hmm. we had Desmond Tutu there the whole time. Oh, how great. Um, we had Edgar Mitchell, who is the founder of the Institute of Noetic Sciences and also the sixth man to walk on the moon. Oh, he yeah. was there. And so the the emphasis was to develop a, a, a gathering that would focus on how people could begin to make a difference and that global healing would need to happen and needs to happen from a personal, a collective, and a global level. So that was our, that was our concept, oh, and great. the first one was so well received that I, um, I was working with another person at that point, and we did the second gathering in um, May of 2006. We had almost 600 people at that. And um, again, Desmond Tutu came, and um, it was fantastic. And again, it's very interwoven with the Balinese culture, and the Balinese, we gave away, and we continue to do this, we gave away over 100 tickets so the Balinese and Indonesians could be there with us the whole time. And what's happened now is that we're emerging into um, this new endeavor that um, is called the Bali Institute for Global Renewal. Which well, is the, I want to hear about that, and I want to get more detail about the goings-on of the conference when we come right back. Arise from your sleep, Africa. Arise. The Bottom Line in Business Talk. Voice America Business. Are you ready to become a global citizen of the world? What would it be like to share your future with people of all ages from around the world who have one major thing in common? A commitment to make a difference with no language, religion, or age barriers. Make a difference in this world. Come to Bali this summer for an experience of a lifetime. Awakening Global Action, a seven-day gathering that will change your world. Call 866-458-2254 or visit our website at www.baliinstitute.org. You are the leader the world has been waiting for. Call today. 
Are you looking for a unique perspective on today's market from an experienced economist? Well, look no further. Listen to The Economic Contrarian with host Mike Norman every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Business America Radio. Mike and his guests will discuss new trends in the marketplace as well as emerging companies and opportunities. So if you want in-depth analysis from a contrarian point of view, don't miss The Economic Contrarian Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time right here on BusinessAmericaRadio.com. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business, this is Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And we're back speaking with Marcia Jaffe today, founder and president of the Bali Institute for Global Renewal. Marcia, this conference that you... Um, had the brainstorm to do and back in uh, 2004 um, turned into something quite magnificent and mm-hmm. you received an awful lot of recognition and feedback for the work not just from the Balinese but from people around the world mm-hmm. and what do you think um, captured people's attention about this so deeply because there are hundreds and hundreds of conferences that go on everywhere around the world what do you think it was about this? I, I think, you know, we're using a different platform of the way people get together, um, different than what conferences have tended to be like, which is there's keynotes and then you go off into small groups and you have workshops and you're sitting there and listening, taking notes, and then you go home and most of what you've gotten sort of goes away after a couple weeks. Mm. This is really about place as well as about content. The place being in Bali is such a critical component to the capacity to learn something new. And um, some of what happens in Bali is very hard to verbally explain, and I'm, I'm sure some of your listeners who have gone to Bali will understand this. Bali really, I think, taps into our own personal DNA in a way that's very nonlinear mm. and um is a little bit hard to describe in words. It's one of those you have to be there to really get it. But I think what people are beginning to recognize, and and it's why we're beginning now to um, want this sustained for the future, is that there's there's something about being in Bali that in itself is very profound. And when you layer on... The, uh, the ability to access a deeper part of yourself to become more of a leader around your own vision, around what um, calls you to do, to do something, to act on some part of the world that you feel is out of alignment and that needs help. You know, whether it's working with children, the environment, you know, social, social leadership, um, you know, poverty, you know, you name it, there's a zillion ways can show up and 
um, participate in the world. Right. But you layer that into being in Bali as the place to learn that mm-hmm. new way of being a leader. Mm-hmm. It, it has a almost um, a transformative effect on people. Right, right. Well, you know, the, I've been to Bali a couple of times, and my experience, I feel like I'm walking around in love. What it feels like to me, you know. Oh, that's great. And um, and the the people who um, live there who are from Bali, they just are so generous with their heart. That's how mm-hmm. I experience it. And and the the flip side of that is the Balinese culture does not really embrace conflict. They don't really like conflict. Right. And um, um, and so for people coming in from other cultures, um, this part confuses them, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, wait a minute, this is kind of, that's not real world, you know. Right. And yet somehow this works, and they are healthy and high-functioning, and um, I, I didn't experience the culture as a, a culture living in denial. Right. So why do you think that works for them? Well, interesting, um, you know, when you're there long enough, there are things that don't work well. Hmm. So the surface, when you come there, is a little bit different once you're there, you know, from really sort of moving into a deeper way of understanding their culture. Right. But they do, one of the, one of the reasons that it does work as well as it does is that they actively participate in ways to ground themselves in a balance between honoring nature, honoring themselves, and honoring their their spirituality. Mm. You, you know, you see people um, doing offerings every single day, every yes. day. Yeah. I mean, there are people, that's their job. They go around in the hotel and they have little, uh, they make these little offerings out of bamboo and leaves with little rice in there, and they, they make, they say very simple blessings to everything, you know, both to trees, to the rain, to the people coming, as a way to remind themselves how connected they are. And then they have ceremonies and rituals going on all the time. I mean, there must be 20 different ceremonies that you see in a month if you stay there. So I think, you know, that kind of cultural... um, the, the culture, the culture asks that of the people who live there. It's such a constant reminder of being connected to each other. They they live in community, and they support each other in that way. They're not driven by money. Right. They're driven really by their culture and by their connection. Well, how much do you think this is going to change? And in, in, you know, not being driven by money, um, it seems like. The influence, the capitalism influence all over the world, right. um, and, and especially in the form of consumerism, um, seems to be really growing and creating a lot of challenge for developing nations. Um, what, what's your thinking about what's going to be happening here? Well, and that's such a, it's such a complex problem. Because, you know, we are all connected as a world now. And the West has such a veil of, you know, sort of the ultimate in sophistication and what what we all should be striving for. Mm. New cars, new houses, new gadgets, new toys, new TVs. And, you know, it it infiltrates every part of the globe. Sure. And yet these cultures like Bali, you know, cultures in in India and cultures in Africa and the more indigenous wisdom cultures, um, 
need to be, this is my opinion, but they need Uh to be preserved and protected Mm. in the same way that we worry about endangered species. That I think the world is not going to survive, not just because of global warming, Mm -hmm. but because, you know, we, we need to honor and respect and keep alive the indigenous components of our world. And so I look at what we're doing in the Bali Institute as really a part of making sure that that happens. And And by creating leadership programs that can be offered to organizations and um, institutes and universities all over the world who can come to Bali around developing new kinds of leadership that includes indigenous wisdom as part of leadership, um, it's like a little piece of what we can be doing. And maybe this could be modeled then in other countries around the world to create right. their own training centers right. that call people together in a different different modeling mm. than what we're used to in the West. Do the Balinese uh, truly have a sense that they have something to teach? They don't unless you're, you tell them that. Yeah. Because, I mean, and that was one of the things I was just... Um, I mean, I, I love being over there and, and letting them know how much they have to teach us. Yeah. Because, you know, they're, first of all, Balinese don't get to travel much because they have no money. Right. So a lot of people have never left the island. Mm-hmm. And all they know is what they know, so they don't know that what they know can have such a huge impact on the rest of the world. Right, right, right. And, um, and again, I think this is true of other parts of the world as well. Um, you know, you look at the impact Tibet and, um, oh, yeah. you know, with the Dalai Lama, right. can have just by one human being being recognized. Right, right. It opens up a whole new world around what his culture is about and how much we can learn from that culture. So well, I think the same way with the Balinese. Bali is a very special island, uh, you know, in terms of even special within Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not like some of the other places in Indonesia. That's right. And um, some of it has to do with um, the Muslim culture because Bali is largely Hindu. Right. And um, do you have um, knowledge about the history there, how that came to be? I I don't. Um, It's something I'm hoping to learn more of when I can slow down a bit and just be there (laughs) instead of working there. But, um, you know, it's a Hindu-Buddhist blend Right. That is unique to Bali and you won't find it anywhere else. Oh. And the fact that it's parked right in the middle of the largest Muslim country in the world. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. extraordinary. It truly and, is. And um and yet the you know, the Muslim uh the the rest of the country being Muslim and I've done a little bit of traveling in uh, Indonesia uh-huh. um is quite different than what we're also led to believe about right. Muslims. Um, and we actually have had um, the former president of Indonesia, who's also the head of the world's largest Muslim party. His name is, um, he's known as Gus Dur in, in uh, Indonesia. Mm-hmm. He was, I believe, the first democratically elected president in the late 90s in oh. Indonesia. And he came to our gathering last year, and oh, we nice. um, are hoping he'll be at our gathering this year as well. But he speaks out about peace. Every single day. I mean, I Google him. I'm, he's sort really? of on my radar screen. Really, yeah. And these are things we don't hear about over right. here. But right. there's a lot more going on in the Muslim world than we're led to believe. Right. Well, and how important for um, everyone in the world and you 
know, especially Americans, I think, um, to travel and to learn and to be exposed to and to engage in relationship with people who um, are of cultures not like our own and um, cultures that we have made some pretty dramatic um, judgments around that we know nothing about. And, you know, this, this is such a great service that you're providing, not, not just on the part of the Balinese, but for the rest of the world and those who are attending. Mm-hmm. I mean, this could be such a great opportunity for someone to really, really get it. And um, you're doing some things with youth that I think are just beautiful. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Thank you, Cheryl, for saying all that. Um, we um, realized after the first gathering um, that, um, and actually my 19-year-old son had come to the first gathering and, you know, being able to sit with Desmond Tutu was a pretty powerful um, experience for someone that young. But there were no young people at the first gathering uh-huh. um, because, you know, we primarily did our outreach to people that we felt would be able to afford to go, right. which does have its limits then in right. terms of people coming. but. Um, we still were able to get a pretty good cross-section of people, but um, my son kept saying, you know, we really have to have young people, and, you know, they're the future as well. And so um, he actually helped put together um, a, a sort of a side program called Global Youth in Action. Mm-hmm. And um, we basically said as our planning team, you know, if you want to do this, Ryan, you know, go to it and um, see what you can come up with, and we would try to raise some money. And the you know the short story of of a lot of work was that we were able to bring almost a hundred young people to the second gathering from around the world, and I I still don't have any idea how we were able to find them, but they found us wow. you know through the internet, and it was just extraordinary because you know young people we're talking eighteen to thirty. Um, are filled with passion and vision and yes. excitement about the future, even if it seems bleak to a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so the combination of their, you know, just boundless energy and, you know, people primarily over 50 who were also at the gathering the second time, the co- who had done a lot of work in um, some kind of activism or believed that they wanted to do something, the, the, putting those two kinds of groups together was just profound. And I think people were um, completely blown away. I, I think everybody at the second gathering left with a sense that uh, the world is certainly not hopeless. And if this is the future generation from around the world, from, you know, we were able to bring youth from, you know, all the way from Peru to South Africa to um, Tunisia um, and elsewhere, uh, you know, people that normally, young people who never would have been able to leave their country, um, profoundly affected by the experience. And um, we have a young person starting a school now. I understand somebody's starting a hospital in India. Wow. Um, we've had people set up dialogues between seniors in a retirement center with college students as a way to sort of cross the generation divide, and just on and on. So having, and we'll have a lot of young people at the gathering we're doing this summer. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's really so fascinating to me to see young people who uh, engage in things like this and take it to heart that 
they're supposed to do something afterwards. They're supposed to take action based on what they've learned or the connections they've made. And um, I find that fascinating because I think people of our generation don't always make that assumption. That's right. And, um, and, and this younger generation definitely is in that assumption. That's just something they see as their job. That's right. And I think yeah. the intergenerational connection around leadership is a really interesting um, it offers an interesting possibility in, in you know, numerous ways around the world of looking at bringing people, you know, because as we are in whatever age group we're in, we often don't get a chance to be around younger people. Right. And, right. Um, to, you know, and especially younger people that are really committed towards something about the common good. So um, it's very exciting to be creating containers that bring you know, young people and older people together, literally from all corners of the world, to be in dialogue around change and leadership. Very exciting. What a gift you are creating for them. Mm. Well, it's such an honor to work on a project like this. I mean, the, the kind of people that you get to meet and to feel like, you know, you can make a tiny bit of difference in people's lives is wonderful. Well, you're certainly doing it. I want to talk more with Marcia Jaffe, and we're going to be right back. Fresh, dynamic, and totally prepared for continuing business education. Business Talk Radio. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. Are you ready to become a global citizen of the world? What would it be like to share your future with people of all ages from around the world who have one major thing in common? A commitment to make a difference with no language, religion, or age barriers. Make a difference in this world. Come to Bali this summer for an experience of a lifetime. Awakening Global Action, a seven-day gathering that will change your world. Call 866-458-2254 or visit our website at www.baliinstitute.org. You are the leader the world has been waiting for. Call today. Growing a business successfully not only requires increased sales, but profitable sales. Over 80% of small businesses will fail to do this in the first five years. On Acorns to Oaks, Growing Your Small Business with Tom Long, he will share his years of business experience to maximize profitability and ensure longevity and sustainability. Broadcasting every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, Acorns to Oaks, Growing Your Small Business provides insight into key areas of business, coordination of management, finance, operations, time management, management, people, and marketing, as well as sales. Tune in and learn how to grow your business into that mighty oak every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Listen wherever you are. 24-hour business and financial news. Solid, focused, and informed. The leader in business talk. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. 
We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And we're back today with Marcia Jaffe, founder and president of the Valley Institute for Global Renewal. Marcia, we're talking about the uh, opportunities you're creating around the world for people of many ages. And a conference coming up in August, Awakening Global Action, Leadership, Indigenous Wisdom, and Dialogue for a Transforming World, is going to be absolutely over-the-top fantastic. <laughs> and I am so looking forward to it. I... I um, for the listeners who don't know, Marsha has asked that I attend and has offered me the opportunity to do live interviews and podcasts um, with guests and uh, attendees and with um, people who are the special guests there. And I'm so excited and honored to be able to do that. Mm. Well, we are so delighted to have you, Cheryl, and it's I think it's going to be a fantastic opportunity to have you be able to do live interviews while people are there and and experiencing so much. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be really, real gift. Now, of course, people don't have to wait for those interviews. They can join us (laughs) in um, Bali because that's the summer and... um, I think most people are arriving July 31st and um, we'll have an entire week in uh, Bali. And, of course, people can stay longer if they want. They definitely can. So when people want to learn more about this, then they can go to your website, right, Marsha? Yes, they definitely can go to um, the www.baliinstitute.org Great. and find out all kinds of things, both about the Institute and the program we're doing this summer. Oh, great. Well, let's talk a little about the program. Let's talk about um, who are you having as your special guests and presenters. Yeah, and I'm glad you're calling them special guests because we're actually trying to do away with the old paradigm of there are people that know everything and then right. there's people that come to learn everything. Right. And never the two shall really meet. And, <laughs> you know, normally you have a big stage and presenters come out, they speak for an hour, and then you ooh and ah over whoever mm-hmm. that was. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get a chance to see them at, at a distance at lunch, and that's it. Right. Everybody that comes is participating as a regular delegate like everybody else and everybody that comes will be staying the entire time and there will be many, many chances and opportunities to be able to really have real conversation with the world leaders that we're bringing in addition to facilitators and trainers. Um, But let me give you just a a couple couple people that are coming that uh-huh. just are we're so excited about uh-huh. um, one is we have Nelson Mandela's grandson coming oh really his name is Prince Sedza Lamini Ooh. and um, his mother is Nelson's Nelson Mandela's um, daughter oh. and he is an emerging young African leader from South Africa he, um, he's um, I believe under 30 and he's just an extraordinary young person that is started his own institute in South Africa and um, is doing um, some pretty amazing work. He's actually been educated, I believe, partially in the West, in the U.S., but he'll be there, and he's actually bringing a couple of um, other young South Africans, who one of whom uh, works with Desmond Tutu, hmm. and, um, 
And then another young person is coming from Zimbabwe who's a spoken word or poet who's oh. performed all over the West and, oh. the, and in um, his own country. Oh, wow. In addition, we have um, a woman who's the um, Afghanistan president of the um, Red Crescent Society oh. in Afghanistan, yeah. Fatima Galani. I believe you may have met Cheryl. Yes, oh, she's an amazing woman. Speak a little bit about her because she's just fantastic. Yes, and she was at an event that Cheryl and I were both at in February, uh, World Forum on Conflict Resolution. And uh, Fatima um, has, you know, actually again been, I think, primarily educated in the West. But mm-hmm. when Afghanistan was going through, you know, such a hard time, which it still is now, yeah. she decided to go back there and and be a part of really um, the the emergence of a new Afghanistan. She could not let it just disintegrate. Mm-hmm. So she's really put herself on the line a lot, and in fact. Her husband is, from what I've been told, may be considered to be the next president really? of Afghanistan. Oh, wow. He's the finance minister at the uh-huh, moment. Uh-huh. So she is um, a true model of what leadership looks like from a, from a, I think, a more feminine point of view. Right. Because she's a real human being and a real humanitarian, and she's willing to put you know, her life at risk and enormous amounts of time into what she believes in and to be the head. Of, the Red Crescent Society is, you know, the equivalent of the Red Cross over right. here. Right, So she has seen it all and um, is really working to, um, you know, get the help that her country needs yeah. to protect, you know, people and children and women over there. Yeah. She's, she's a brilliant woman and um, such grace in her. You know, such grace, such grace. Yeah. yeah, she's just wonderful, and yeah. she'll be, and she's very available, she's uh, very approachable, yes. and you'll feel like you've known her forever yes. when you meet her. Yes, yes, that, that was my experience with her, too, in standing with her. Um, there were many, many people around, and for every person she stood with, she made, well, for me, it was like I was the only person in the room. Mm. And everyone had that experience when they would stand in front of her and have a conversation with her. She was right there, completely present. So present. Yeah. Exactly. So she's coming, and there's a Balinese woman that I'm I'm always excited that people get a chance to meet. Her name is Dr. Suryani. And this is a woman who's been trained as probably one of only two or three um, psychiatrists in the entire country Mm -hmm. for a woman. And she's also a Balinese healer. She was a head of the psychiatry department at the university in uh, Bali, the University of Denpasar in Bali, wow. Udayana University in Bali. And mm. she's reti- just recently retired from that, although she still has a practice that she primarily gives away all of her services for oh, free because yeah. people can't afford it. Right. But she's also the only woman spokesperson about women in Bali, the, in, oh. in the culture. And she has her own television show that she's, um, she speaks out about different issues and topics. Oh, interesting. So she is actually, and this is a little bit of the insight of what goes on really in Bali, there actually has been in the last couple of years an increase in suicide, hmm. partially because of the impact, the economic impact, with the um, you know the previous bombing, right. 
also the impact of the West. And she is busy setting up suicide prevention clinics. Oh, wow. And so people coming will have a chance to spend a day with her if they'd like to. Oh, wow. And go with her and see what she's doing and to hear about, you know, her perceptions of what, what's happening to her country mm-hmm. and to how the, you know, the West impacts what's mm-hmm. going on in an indigenous mm-hmm. culture. Right. So and, you know, that's the kind of thing people don't want to hear about. You know, exactly. It's like, oh, it's paradise, you know. It's right. That's what I'm calling the right. workshop is being called Suicide in Paradise. Yeah. You know, God. because you also make an assumption that because a country is so richly spiritual and does so many things, you know, to really deepen their spiritual yeah. component yeah. means it must be, a, you know, it must be a perfect sort of, um, um, you know, persona. Right. And it's, right, that's right. really not what's happening there. Right, there are lots right. of problems. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah. lots of problems. Yeah. And we also have um, Minister of Culture from Bhutan coming, oh. who actually was the man who started the Gross Happiness Index. And oh, say that again. It's called the Gross Happiness <laughs> Index. And, you, you know, how we, how we measure, you yes. know, um, <laughs> our own country. They measure their it. country by how happy people are. I love it. And so, so instead um, of the GNP, the gross national product, right? Exactly, <laughs> the gross national happiness product, which is you know. And so you know, it will be very interesting to hear him talk about wh- even why he developed something like this, yeah, and how they use that because they actually do use that. You know, Bhutan is very careful about how many people come into their country. Yes, and yeah. they just recently, I think in the last few years, even allowed foreigners to come in. They and it's don't very get, expensive. And it's, very, it's like $200 yeah. a day yeah, yeah. to come in. Yeah. So yeah, um, One of the ways they manage that whole process of tourism and um, also take care with their environment. Exactly, exactly. So again, this is another way that we can learn a lot from the way, you know, another country thinks about who they are as a culture. And again, not that we're going to just measure ourselves by our happiness, which is what we all think we're trying to do. It's all about being happy, but we've lost a whole lot in the process of that. Yeah, we I think we can have. learn a lot from these kind of cultures. Absolutely. So um, those are the kind, you know, and it goes on. We have also some royal family coming who um, from Bali who are um, um, also architects and business people and um, sort of keepers of their communities and the way that they see leadership. Because so much of what we're focusing on this summer is around new modeling of leaders that incorporate, you know, indigenous learning as a part of what leaders can be doing. And um, building community as a part of what leaders can be doing. Mm-hmm. So um, the and then we you know we have a lot of youth coming, but we we have people coming from about twenty different countries again. That is great. From Sri Lanka to Cambodia, um, we have somebody coming from Morocco. Fun. How yeah. great! I can't wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fantastic, it's and it's seven fantastic. days. I know. Time, rather than five, which. Um, we intentionally um, did this because we're learning that people need to be grounded more in the transitions that happen to them by being in Bali in this kind of an arena. Yeah. And so we're, we're allowing for more time for a deepening of whatever experience people have. Well, 
so that they go home really ready to do more and they'll feel that they have a connection with people from around the world that they'll be able to carry with them as they go back into their own communities. Well, Bali is a place of transformation. And it we're is. Talk more about that with Marcia Jaffe when we return. So long, but too long. More and more people are starting their day with informative, focused business talk. Top experts, today's business issues. Voice America Business at VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to become a global citizen of the world? What would it be like to share your future with people of all ages from around the world who have one major thing in common? A commitment to make a difference with no language, religion, or age barriers. Make a difference in this world. Come to Bali this summer for an experience of a lifetime. Awakening Global Action, a seven-day gathering that will change your world. Call 866-458-2254 or visit our website at www.baliinstitute.org. You are the leader the world has been waiting for. Call today. Mr. Simplicity, Bill Jensen, is on a mission to make it easier for you to get stuff done. He wants you to do less stupid stuff so you can do more of what matters. He'll coach you as a speaker at your event or one-on-one. He'll help you by consulting side-by-side with your teams, and he'll teach you through his books and downloads from his website. Visit today at www.simplerwork.com, and he welcomes your emails at bill at simplerwork.com. Smarter, not harder, is your work and your life, condensed and clarified. Mr. Simplicity is on a mission to make it easier for you to get stuff done. He'll give you the tools you need to do less stupid stuff and do more of what really matters. Let's succeed together. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting. Developing leaders worldwide. Business information you need. From the stock market to starting and managing your business. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And we're speaking today with Marcia Jaffe, the founder and president of the Valley Institute for Global Renewal, and a very special event is taking place in August, um, August 1st to the 7th in Bali, and it's going to be a conference that is absolutely stunning. I think it's a stunning conference. And Marcia, tell us the name of the conference again. Sure. The name of the conference is Awakening Global Action, mm-hmm. Leadership, Indigenous Wisdom, and Dialogue for a Transforming mm-hmm. World. Well, you know, Bali is one of the most beautiful places I have ever been on the planet. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the natural beauty, you know, the, the gorgeous plant life, the lushness, the, you know, the air smells sweet, etc. But there's something about the aesthetic mm-hmm. of Bali itself, you know, the art, the culture. It's very important to the culture. And it's very clear to me that you're bringing that, weaving that all in to this conference. 
you know, that their art is going to be important to it. Um, learning about the culture of the Balinese is going to be important to it. Um, I, I think that this is such a gift that it's all part of the experience. Because sometimes you go to conferences in these beautiful places and it's like you've never been to that beautiful place. Right. Or you're stuck in a hotel somewhere in a conference center. And we intentionally design this so that you're not in a conference center. There actually is not a conference center in Ubud, which is where we're holding this. Mm -hmm. Um, Ubud is the cultural capital where all the artists and woodcarvers live. Mm. Um, And by the way, there is no word for artist in Bali because everybody, everybody is an artist in some way or another. Isn't that interesting? It's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. They just know how to do things. In fact, uh, many of the architects that are there, when you say, oh, the drawings must have been amazing, they'll go, well, we don't do drawings. <laughs> we just build. And they know what they're going to do, or they'll start c- to carve a big uh, picture yeah. you know, on a wall, and yeah. you'll, you'll look for what they're using you know, to model what they're going to draw, what they're going to carve, and they they have they don't have anything. They're just carving. Oh, that's they just know what they're doing. There's there's some way that they're connected to a much deeper deeper way of accessing creativity. Hmm. And you and again you experience that when you're there. Right. You definitely feel that there's something going on that you're not quite sure you can pinpoint, but there's something there. Well, and I think that's important too. That what you just said about something there, but you're not really sure what's going on. What happens for um, the Balinese that I observe is that they're so in tune with themselves, with their body, with, you know, call it intuition, whatever you want to call it, that it's just a natural way of being. And so when we go there, we cannot help but experience some of that in ourselves. You know, we become more grounded, more connected, um, and so that sense of something is different becomes very tangible for us. Yes, so well said, Cheryl, because that is the experience of being in Bali, that there's there's something intangible um, that you really have to be there in order to witness and experience because, you know, again, it's almost, I think it feeds our DNA. It's at that core level. So when you layer that, you know, on top of an an experience that's conference-like, and learning, like, um, the, the opportunity to learn something then on such a deep level is almost 100% going to happen. And um, being able to do this kind of a program that we're offering, and especially this being our third program that we're, we'll be doing in August, um, we've really learned a lot from the first two, and this program is much more focused and I think will be a lot more powerful for everybody coming because of that. We're really designing this to be um, a gathering rather than a conference so that people are on sort of an equal playing field. All of the, the special guests and the world leaders will be there to participate. They're not coming to just sort of pontificate about what they know. Right. They're coming right. as human beings who all started from some dream or some vision mm-hmm. that they could make a difference. And um, the kind of people that will feel called to come to this gathering are people that feel like, I don't know if I'm going to ever be anybody important or big, but I know that I really want to get more involved in the environment, for example. I want to do something. I can't sit back any longer. This is the, this is, um, the kind of event that will really nurture mm-hmm. those dreams that you're carrying around. 
Well, you certainly are an inspiration for that, Marcia. When I think about um, you know your story that you shared with us earlier about taking a break from working too hard, mm-hmm. going to Bali, and then having this sense of there's something here that has to be done, and you are the one to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that really is empowering yourself to make a difference and stepping into it, even though you didn't know exactly how it would take place or what would manifest or what it would look like. You still, you trusted that. You went with the Bally spirit, you <laughs> trusted your intuition, and stepped forward with courage. And, you know, that's um, a lot of what I see can be inspired in through this conference, through this gathering. You know, the collective of people coming together, um, believing the world can be a better place and that we all have a part to play in that. This is quite inspiring. You are Thank you, Cheryl. So well said. <laughs> I, mean, I think that, you know, if I can be a tiny, you know, uh, model of when you have um, something that sort of is calling you and you're willing to sort of grab a hold of it mm. and take a leap of faith, um, that makes everything I'm doing totally worthwhile. Mm. And, and I feel that that's, you know, as where the world is now, this is there's a lot of people out there who feel the same way that there's there's a way in which we need to step forward now much more than even you know ten years ago hmm. to to make a difference and if we have skills and capacities that we've learned along the way that we can begin to apply around what we're passionate about there's just no way this world is not going to turn itself into a place that we all will be happy to be living in. Right, right. And that's really what this is about. Mm, oh, great. Well, I am so excited. I can't wait to be there. So we want to make it easy for people to know more about this. So how about um, giving a phone number that people can call? would love to give a phone number. We've got an 800 number, which is actually an 866 number they can call. Mm-hmm. It's 866 866- Four five eight two two five four, and um, or they can call um, our California number for people who are hearing this outside the country. Mm-hmm. It's four one five three three one two two five zero. And they will be calling the Bali Institute. They'll be calling the Bali Institute, and we can um, talk with them about you know more information about what we're doing and the way that they can be involved. There's still um, you know airplane seats that we have uh, reserved blocks oh, of great. seats, and there's still some tickets left for the whole conference in the hotel. Oh, fantastic! That's so great. And um, there is uh, also time built in where people can have some time on their own when they're there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And we would encourage people to stay a few extra days right. for that. Yeah. But but every you know every day people have an option of you know not coming to the gathering right. and taking off. And there are a couple days where um, they can take. You know, we're going to encourage people to not just go to a workshop, but right. go off and do shopping. Shopping is itself an experience. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and, and in Bali especially, because, you know, well, it's, your, it's your chance to really meet some of the local Balinese yeah. people. Yeah. It's, um, it's but a great treat. Pardon me? It's a great treat. It's a great treat. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, the website again is? Is www.baliinstitute.org. Well, Marsha Jaffe, thank you so much for being here today, and I can't wait to see you in Bali at the 
Awakening Global Action, Leadership, Indigenous Wisdom, and Dialogue for a Transforming World. It's absolutely going to be a fantastic experience. Thank you, Cheryl. You take care, and remember, everybody, (laughs) think big. The world could become a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and leading conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week.